0: the fire welcome back to smwx and today i am joined by the inimitable the irrepressible author broadcaster and just all-around interesting and dynamic human being i can finally get my revenge and interview him (laughs) because he's put me on the end of so many difficult questions eusebius macaiza so good to be with you
1: thank you for having me on your platform it's <laughs> strange to have a, a role it reversal is, right? yeah
0: yeah i feel like so much of our conversations are you interviewing me <laughs> very generously so just you wait
1: unscripted you can ask me whatever you want um, i'm ready for it really appreciate yeah. that i and I know, congrats on this platform by thanks, the way
0: thanks so much uh for you to grace with this early on is, is a big honor for us so uh, there's so much i want to ask you like we could have a two hour conversation just about your biography, which I think is fascinating, which I think a lot of people don't appreciate fully. But since we're here to talk about the election, wanna jump straight into it and and get your thoughts on where our country is. I think there's a lot of immediate analysis, but seldom we step back and and say 25 years, like nothing's happening for this 25 year anniversary really. We're facing our next general election Is this a calamity? Is this a crime scene? Is this an unsung success story? How do you assess where our country is right now?
1: I think our country is a hot mess right now. And I think after 25 years of democracy, historical excuses for tardy service delivery, a lack of ethical and excellent leadership in the state, no longer hold any water. I think many of us, especially older South Africans, have been willing and to some extent rightly so were to discount some of the sense of incumbency by saying there are legacy problems. But I, quite frankly I think a quarter of a century seriously, seriously is enough time to dent some of the indices that we were gifted by history but which we haven't really made much progress on. Inequality is just absolutely ghastly. We are probably the most unequal nation on earth. Uh, not even nation, society, we're not a nation really levels of unemployment, poverty, levels of corruption. And there's some things that you can't blame the Nets for. You can't blame the Nets for state capture. They may be role-modelled it, but the ANC-led government have to be held responsible for the continuities with the pre-1994 regime. And how do you assess the moment
0: that we're in now, the sort of post-Zuma moment? Because it feels to me very much like this new politics of pseudo-hope has returned. And I'm not sure that there's been a radical critique of this moment, especially in, in the mainstream media.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. There's no post Zuma mo- moment. It's business as usual. And I think what's really happened is that especially middle class South Africans have simply fallen for the coconut. I don't know where he got it from because he's too old to have gone to a Model C school, the coconut <laughs> tones of President Sil Ramaphosa. Yeah. And there's something about his calm his well-spokenness that envelops you psychologically once he speaks and I think we've been hoodwinked because Nasreq was supposed to be the post-Zuma moment that becomes more than a moment that becomes a new dawn mm. but it's business as usual mm. we have blackouts we have sudden increases again in our uh, petrol price with a consequent impact on inflation that is going to increase mm. uh, we don't know what the rating agencies will tell us next next week uh, for example etc 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 so i don't see what the elation after Nasrec has given us both inside the anc for those who are interested in anc renewal and then more importantly for us as citizens inside the south african state it's really business as usual and of course the most the most stark i think evidence of this i mean there's lots of evidence but most recently perhaps is the anc's list of people that it wants to succumb to Parliament. If you get rid of Jacob, of of, uh, President Saul Ramaphosa on that list, that is a list that could have been written for 2014.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So my question to you
1: following that then is, have we, have you,
0: as someone in the media, leveled a radical enough critique? Because I feel like when we speak about this new dawn moment, we fall into language that gives Ramaphosa, even in our critique of him, a way out. Whereas when we critique other parties, um, I look at the critique of the DA, which is radical and strong. The critique of the EFF, which is radical and strong, which is right. But with Ramaphosa, there's always a caveat. There's always a but shame poor Cyril tone. And do you think you may have fallen
1: victim to that? No, I think I've done enough. Um, but but let me speak about the media overall. Mm. And we can take some examples, right? Sure. I mean. You and I have had debates about the South African media. There's no such thing as the media. Yeah. So you are right to ask me a question about Eusebius. Sure. And if you think I've been to him, you, you can critique me in terms of my writing and in terms of my radio platform. But I think in general, the media have given him a free, free pass. And he's not the only one. There are other people yeah. that are likable. And once you are likable, mm. you tend to be treated with kid gloves. And I'll give you two examples. David Makura. Yeah. David is likable. He's like a teddy bear and so once he speaks our critical faculties just yeah. go south another example Pravin Gordon I mean Pravin Gordon tells us that we are expecting of this government to have a magic wand to deal with the energy crisis no we're not I mean as yeah. the Sunday Times and there's a good example of a good critique mm. the Sunday Times and editorial this past weekend says no Praveen, we're not asking you to create magic, we're asking you to do your job. Yeah. Right? But there isn't enough of that. If we had to do a media analysis, I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, what's really interesting is often the people who, let's say, mainstream radio, TV and print media are sympathetic to are those who have the best grasp of the English language or the most pleasant access, uh, accent that happens to appeal. Because when you think of Makura, Ramaphosa, Godan, all they seem to be able to do to me is speak to people in the media in ways that they feel
1: I think that's true, but I think it's worse and more complicated than Mm. that. Remember journalists are human beings first Mm. and we are South African before we are professionals, quite frankly. Mm. So we have the same tendencies as the public. We have a desperate desire as journalists, because we are South African first and human first, to also feel good about the country and optimistic about it. And it's extremely hard in that context, by the way, to be an outlier and to say, let's have an honest conversation, Bafana Bafana did not just win the World Cup. Because mm-hmm. people want you to, the hope motif is a very South African yeah. thing. Oh, absolutely. So what I mean by, by it's more complicated than what you are saying, but what you're saying is part of it. Mm. Go back to Polokwane. I don't think the most fluent person in the English language mm. is Jacob Zuma. Mm. But a lot of the media was also excited about him taking over from Tabo mm. who was far more in command of the English language so it's not just a linguistic turn. yeah and there there was the desire desperately to have someone who's not like the guy currently in charge who is not aloof mm. who is mm. not peddling um, all sorts of AIDS denialism who is not stoking unnecessary racial tensions in his weekly news newsletter. Mm. And Jacob Zuma would be the counterexample example, not quite a counterexample, example, but the compli- complicated case study for your thesis mm. in the sense mm. that mm. a lot of people in the mainstream media embraced him because he was not Tabo Mbeki. Yeah. But yeah. I think we would agree that he's not the poster child for for coconutism.
0: Sure, sure. And, and I think there are interesting nuances in terms of our desire for hope and every time a new ANC leader emerges, this quite naive narrative that right. surrounds them that I think we've we've replayed in this Ramaphosa yes. moment. And so let's speak a little bit about different political parties and their campaigns and just your assessment with your analyst hat on about, let's start with the ANC since we've been speaking about this Ramaphosa moment. How do you assess the campaign? We've got what appears to be crisis after crisis on the one hand, but seemingly robust ANC support on the other, so this irony is something that I think demand some form of analysis
1: this country would be amazing if the ANC were to run the state as incredibly well as it runs election campaigns <laughs>
0: we'd be living in a, in a paradise
1: <laughs> if you study the ANC since 1994 they get timing right they often out of the starting blocks a little bit later than the official opposition they are very good at getting people out on the day to vote Last two or so elections slight interesting changes in mm, trends mm. but not enough yet for us to say that there is a pattern that is completely different the elections machinery in letuli house it works quite well it works quite well so the ANC knows what it is doing in terms of connecting with people on the ground i think the ANC does care what you think what i think what a 702 audience mm. think what a mailing and Guardian reader thinks but ultimately they also know that we're not the majority so they also know where to go and campaign and where to care about and how much to not worry too much about some 2000 word essay written in the Daily Maverick so they really get elections so I think in that sense from their point of view they're doing well from the point of view of the country I think it is appalling that there is an extremely high chance near certainty that the ANC will probably get somewhere between I don't know 57% and 62% because this election should be an, a referendum on 25 years of ANC governance and if i competition was sufficiently healthy in our politics, you and I should be sitting here knowing that the ANC would be lucky to get 49%. So the question is, is that because they're doing something right? Absolutely not. It's for your follow-up question. It's partly because they are benefiting from what is not being done well on the part of the opposition.
0: And let's, let's speak to that because I think one of the interesting aspects of your work has been critiquing opposition politics also as a way of contributing to democracy. And when we look at the DA, we'll come on to the EFF as well. Mm. How are you assessing the DA's campaign at the moment? Bad predictions or at least sort of early predictions are that their worst case scenario might be stagnation for the first time. Um, On the other hand, their electoral machinery is strong in the suburbs. So who knows what could happen with rolling blackouts? (laughs) how do you assess what they've been up to this election? I
1: think their campaign is pathetic and incoherent. And what I mean by that is <laughs> they go from, they react to every news event, rather than strategizing from a position of, these are our five signature policies. And despite what you see this the public isn't interested in, the, in ideology. Or if you're ideology driven, you might say, I know we're not gonna speak ideology to the masses, but we need to fix our identity and ideology and then that's not going to be our our strategic comps but our, our signature policies and our simple plain language messaging mm. will then be derived from understanding who we are and they don't have that right mm. i can't tell you despite someone who studies the da closely how they would deal with income and wealth and asset inequality i can't what i can tell you is i don't think it's a, even a liberal party i don't think Musi is a liberal Helen Zilla is not really a liberal, not in my definition. So they are they are completely messy and confused in terms of identity and ideology. And if you put that aside, because people around us here can't eat ideology, they don't have any clear signature policies on the most urgent questions of the day, which are land, poverty, unemployment, growing the economy. And all you see is, you know, them reacting to one news mm-hmm. item to the next. And I think Musi will be extremely lucky. Um, and pray to to his God that they should get at least twenty five percent. But there are no guarantees. And given what the ANC is doing wrong, it is appalling that the DA can't guarantee that it will get at least thirty.
0: And uh, let's move on now to the other opposition party, the EFF, and and try and assess Your where faith? you think they are. <laughs> I thought they were. I've seen you in a red beret before. I'm like.
1: <laughs> I think they're the most astute party in terms of having blinkers and completely ignoring the noise Mm. and so one needs to assess parties a bit like you do book reviews you can either do do the i wish this is what was in the book or you can say let me review this thing for what it sets out to be unlike the da by contrast the eff is getting on with what it is setting out with its vision Mm. it is very clear as a radical party that is critiquing the material injustices of our land and it doesn't care that an Adam Abib, a Karima Brown, mm-hmm. maybe to a more, in a more tempered way, a Eusebius MacKaiser disses them on radio or in a thought piece. They are very, very clear. We're gonna to go to Chet- with. We're going to tap into the discontent of a majority of black people in this region who feel marginalized from opportunity. Now, I may find aspects of that, and I do, by the way, yeah. to be completely race-reductive in a way that is unhealthy for our politics. But I think what the EFF has got right is certainty. Hmm. And certainty, I think, will get it it quite far. Um, I was one of those people who had to eat my proverbial hat because I thought my lemma's career was over after he was dc would by the ANC. I was wrong. Most pundits were wrong, and most of us have not admitted that we were wrong. And um, I think we can't rule out the possibility of the EFF getting 10%. What do you make of the
0: radical critique of the EFF a la... Those who paint the party as fascist um, or who think that it is a danger to democracy and should be removed from the ballot.
1: No, it shouldn't be removed from the ballot. And I disagree with political analysts and my colleague and friend Karima Brown. If you don't like the EFF, don't vote for them. They shouldn't be removed. And if you think that someone is fascist or proto-fascist, just describe them. The best thing to do to someone or a party or an institution that you think is anti-democratic is to describe them and win the argument right so i'm committed to that as a liberal Um, i'm disappointed in them to be honest with you caesar because i think that they've got some of the most energetic smart strategic thinkers in our body politic and i don't think it's necessary for them to panic and resort to the kind of stoking of racial fires that we've often seen from them the arrestment of karima brown and many other journalists she's just the latest example is completely unacceptable i expect them to theorize violence far more carefully and also as a result of that some of their worst critics get away with being lazy in the criticism because they've also been sophisticated they have at times as you have pointed out used the institutions of democracy within the games rules Mm. in parliament they've often done that they've used legal activism to try and get jacob zuma to do what he should be doing constitutionally Mm. so that toolkit is very diverse but my disappointment as a commentator and as as a liberal egalitarian is that sometimes when they have a moment of panic, they they reach for the wrong thing in the toolkit, Mm -hmm. and there will be short-term gains. Um, But in the long term, I think our politics is worse off when we have demagoguery unnecessarily, when quite frankly, you've got a brain's trust that probably could map out a far more sophisticated election Mm -hmm. strategy, if only it will allow itself to breathe and to not panic. So you mentioned your commitment to
0: liberal egalitarianism, and I think that's A really interesting vantage point through which to view our society and I've always wondered because I hear you on politics, I hear you on social issues but your views on the economy are often not quizzed and I I wonder how you view questions of structural inequality which you constantly refer to on the one hand with your commitment to liberal values as you define them and also quite a strong critique as I understand you of Statist leftism mm. which is also usually part of the structural economic critique mm. so w- what are your views on on the economy and how we you know dig ourselves out of yeah. the structural rut
1: i think that's a stunning question i wish we had an hour i'm going to give you the short version and keep it also as plain as possible sure. for our audience today um firstly just on a point of dialogue Mm. I think we don't ask liberals enough questions about economic justice Mm. and it's Mm. a very awkward question for many people in the DA by the way and commentators who support them even if they're not party members so I'm glad you've asked me that question for me I'm not opposed to the state playing a very large interventionist role in our economy I think it must do that Mm. I've got a problem with this state Mm. I don't have a problem with the state Mm. As in states unnecessary Mm. because markets do not have a sense of morality markets don't ask questions such as what is a fair wage yeah what is a fair cap on executive salary markets don't ask those questions so anyone who is addicted to the market as a way to resolve very important moral and political questions are stupid or Mm. deliberately trying to reinforce the status quo because they probably benefit from it mm. so on a point of principle and i'll stop you in a second i'm perfectly okay with the state having an important big interventionist role mm. i have a problem with the current anc-led state so we need to separate those two sure, things sure. on the specific practical policies let's say i was in government what are the yeah. kind of things i would punt I'm waiting with my colleagues it would be things it would be things like capping executive salaries yeah. it would be things like upping minimum wage levels it would also be probably on something like the debate around land Mm. reform which is Mm. a big issue I see absolutely no reason why people who do not have just acquisition of the land that they're currently on should be compensated market levels at most they should be getting nominal amounts for what they've added in terms of adding to the value of the land that they got through unjust means but um, I wouldn't lead a government that was prepared to settle for market prices of land for example so I think there I'm probably committed to very similar kinds of policies as someone like yourself which is why I confuse people when I say that I'm a liberal Mm. because in this country liberal is taken to mean DA I'm not a DA member I've got lots of beef with the DA but as a philosophy student liberal means something very different to me than it might to Helen Zilla or to Musi Maimane Mm. or to John Stianezo well
0: I mean I feel like we're just getting started and there will be lots more bonus material on the WhatsApp channel specifically, so make sure you tune into that. Um, But for now, we're going to end this particular conversation here. We we need to keep going because it feels like we we just started scratching the surface on so many issues.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm all yours.
0: (laughs) Can't wait to, to talk race, to talk your identity as a queer man in South Africa and stay tuned for some more of those conversations as we go on
1: SMWX.
0: SMWX, no young people are around the decision-making table. Let some new voices come to the fore. Follow us on WhatsApp and catch us live Tuesdays and Thursdays. Out with the old, in with the new. SMWX